section forty four of canada south america central america mexico and the west indies this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the world story volume eleven canada south america central america mexico and the west indies edited by eva march tappan section forty four how canada acquired the northwest eighteen sixty nine by eva march tappan in eighteen sixty seven the dominion of canada was formed by a union of the four provinces ontario quebec nova scotia and new brunswick this new dominion was ambitious and in her first parliament she passed an act to acquire the northwest the charter of the hudson's bay company was nearly expired and canada made a fair offer to the company for the land allowing them also to retain their privileges of trade the offer was accepted and in this way canada took under her control one-fifteenth of the earth's surface the editor such an acquisition as this might well kindle the imagination of a young people it was three and one-half times as large as the louisiana territory which had been bought by the united states while much more was known of the northwest than of this territory at the time of its purchase there was still room enough for the exercise of the wildest flights of fancy everything was on a gigantic scale mountains prairies forests rivers two thousand miles long lakes like vast inland seas bays that broadened and deepened like very oceans fish grain timber are all sources of wealth and upon these the dominion might well reckon but underground hidden away as secretly as aladdin's cavern of treasures there lay riches indeed in quantities unsuspected by the most extravagant dreamer petroleum coal iron copper nickel silver and gold awaited the touch of the discoverer there was no need to invoke the genii of the magic lamp the spade in the pick would open the treasure room in the transfer of this immense territory one important question was entirely overlooked how will the people who live in the land be pleased with the change of government this was not a country devoted to snowdrifts and polar bears for half a century it had been the home of colonists there were canadians who were delighted to be more closely connected with their own land there were americans who longed to see their fertile acres annexed to the united states there were fenians who saw rose-tinted visions of a republic of their own and there were bands of indians who for five or six generations had known no rule but that of the hudson's bay company and no life but that of the wandering hunter there were metis or half-breeds some of whom were partly scotch or english and were protestants while some were partly french and were roman catholics one naturally questions what was done to conciliate these people to assure them that their rights would be maintained and their interests considered the answer is nothing at all the officials may well be pardoned for not pursuing tribes of roving indians to inform them that the hudson's bay company was no longer the supreme power in the land but on the red river in the district now known as manitoba were some twelve thousand actual settlers whites and metis and it would have been only fair as well as politic to send them a formal notification that the government had passed into other hands no such notification was sent and they were left to learn of the change from rumours that sped from one little settlement to another before any authorities made their way to manitoba even before the formal transfer had actually taken place 
the dominion surveyors appeared among the settlers and with little explanation began to lay out roads and mark out townships and building lots then even those wavered who had stood firmly by the dominion they had no deeds of their land and it might be that all this prompt surveying was but a prelude to depriving them of their homes they were angry and indignant they themselves would not have rebelled but their wrath encouraged those who were restless and those who planned something quite different from allowing their country to become a quiet province of the dominion a colony of a colony as they said scornfully whenever insurrection is in the air a leader is always ready and this time was no exception the head of this rebellion was louis riel son of a white father and a half-breed mother he had been educated in montreal and had shown some intellectual ability a greater gift than that of mental keenness was his power to persuade and control the minds of men for one he had an argument for another a brilliant picture of future success for another neither reason nor scheme but only a rare talent for influencing the man to whom he talked to do as he would have him a little tact on the part of the government a recognition of riel's ability and a little care taken to win that ability for the service of order and progress would perhaps have saved the dominion not only the troubles of the year eighteen seventy but in the years to come the sum of five million dollars and the lives of many of her citizens no attention was paid to riel by the dominion authorities and he went on at his will predicting to one the harsh laws that would follow this new government to another the loss of home and lands and enkindling the fancy of a third by painting visions of a golden republic of which their settlements were to become the foundation the hudson bay's company had no reason for exerting themselves to suppress his schemes he did not believe that the canadians would care about making any very determined interference in a country so far away and he hoped that even if they did interfere the united states would arise to protect a sister republic many of the white settlers even of those who would have welcomed canadian rule if they had been notified of its coming were somewhat sore about the indifference with which they had been treated and were not inclined to get themselves into trouble by opposing a man whose followers were increasing every day no one asked whether we wanted a new government they said we will obey the laws but we are not going to risk our homes and our lives by fighting riel and the indians for the sake of a government that has not even claimed us as citizens the formal transfer was not yet made but after the coming of the surveyors a governor was appointed and sent out to the new territory at the boundary he was met by a company of riel's followers you are forbidden to enter the land they declared by whose authority questioned the governor by the authority of louis riel president of the provisional government was the reply the governor was not prepared for battle and there was nothing to do but to withdraw riel took possession of fort garry with all the military stores that he could get published a rebel paper and appointed a time a few weeks later for the holding of a convention to form a permanent government when the dominion at last realized the condition of affairs in the new possessions a special commissioner was sent who exercised the tact and wisdom that should have been shown in the first place riel was met less like a rebel than like one who understood the needs of the people he was asked to call the convention as he had planned that it might draw up a paper stating all grievances and wishes and appoint delegates to send to ottawa all would have gone well had not the rebellious leader with perhaps a wild determination to assert the power which seemed to be slipping from his hands put to death for treason a young man named thomas scott whose only crime was the opposition that he had made to the sway of the president this deed undid all the good that had been done for now the utmost stretch of charity could not regard riel as other than a rebel soldiers and cannon were sent from canada foreign troops and arms could not be permitted to enter the united states not even to pass through the saint marie therefore the long difficult route 
of lakes wilderness and portage must be followed and one rainy day two months after leaving toronto more than one thousand eager soldiers led by sir garnet wolseley appeared before fort garry and found nothing to do riel had fled and his followers had disappeared this ended the rebellion but much more trouble was to come in later years because of the absurd ambitions of the infatuated rebel leader and the neglect of the dominion government end of section forty four this recording is in the public domain